Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. On we go to the conference final. Uh, we thought maybe this would be a season wrap-up yet again. I think we felt that way uh, a few weeks ago when they were down 3-1 to Pittsburgh. When they were down 3-2 to the Hurricanes, I thought maybe this is going to be the last show of the season. But no, Chris Flannery. We continue on, and Chris uh, has been partying, was partying well into the night last night uh, <laughs> after that very dominating Game 7. Uh, so, Chris, here we are. Rangers-Lightning, Eastern Conference Final. What do you think? I... Yeah, I don't know what to think, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> it's uh it's been such a an up and down ride, but yeah, here they are. They're they're in the final four. Uh they're still competing for the Stanley Cup. And, you know, I think we said it in the last round, or I said in the last round, after getting through Pittsburgh, it's kind of all gravy. You know, that this is a a young team. They're now the youngest team, you know, left in uh, of, of the teams remaining. They have the least experience, I guess. Although I guess the Oilers are, uh, you know, not not as experienced either at this point. But um, it's just incredible. It's incredible to watch. It's so uh, cool to watch the team never give up. You know, which which again we we talked about it a bunch after uh, um, game four in Pittsburgh. That was just a horrible. That was probably the worst game they played all season, and and it looked like they quit. And from then on, this team has just been. Uh, you know, just so resilient. You know, it's 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 incredible to watch, and you're seeing the kids grow up, and you're seeing kind of the veterans um, uh, turn the corner here and 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 do their thing. Igor looks good. The, the it's just it's just really cool to watch this team do it. And uh, yeah, I, I was I was just enamored with watching all the uh, the replays and everything last night, and and the recaps and and reading everything I could. And uh, I'm just enjoying it because it's it's a lot of fun and. Really, who knows that this? We were just talking a second ago before uh, before we started recording. Who who knows where this could go? You know, I mean, obviously Tampa's the two time defending champion. They have Vasilevsky. They have all the experience and all this, but this team does not seem to care about any of that. And no matter what the score is, no matter what the series is, they find a way to uh, to to come back and win it. So you know, it, it's just um, it's really exciting, and I just can't wait to to watch them start uh, tomorrow night. Now, yeah, we. Waiting is not uh, is not part of this. Quick turnaround, but before we get into uh, looking ahead to what's to come tomorrow and, and yeah. the rest of this conference final, we'll look back to last night. Um, and it was probably uh, and game six was pretty good too. But these were definitely the two best games that they played in this series. Yeah, uh, it was not as big a turnaround, I don't think, as it was in the Pittsburgh series where they looked kind of lost and then still looked lost within the the games five, six, and seven at times and came back and won. And obviously the dramatic finish in game seven against the Penguins. This was a little bit more of a command Rangers performance, if you can say it that way, where they were opportunistic in the first periods of both games. Igor shut the door in the first period, which was by far the most dangerous period for Carolina in both games. And then that's it. You know, uh, Carolina ended up pulling Ronta. He ended up leaving game, you know, pulled Ronta in game six. He ended up leaving in the second period in game seven with what looked like a pretty nasty groin injury. Um, and then from then on, the Rangers really just made them pay. And, uh, you know, Carolina can say maybe they were the better team at times. Uh, you know, game five was probably, was probably their best game where they really clamped down. But, you know, you think about the whole course of the series, um, you know, Carolina had what, nine, Five on five goals the whole series, and that was really the the spot where they were supposed to have be superior. They throw pucks at the net. They can play such a structured system, and we saw it at times. But really, out of those seven games, um, you know, Carolina was good in game two. 
and they were really good in Game 5. And the rest of the time, the Rangers were better. And and that includes Shesterkin. That includes him being able to absorb good chances, some low-danger shots, without being as leaky as he was against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, the Rangers played their game more than Carolina did, and I think that's the main reason why it ended up the way it did. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And that's the thing. I, I think you said the key there, um, you know, as the series went along – it was low danger chances. You know, I mean, if you look at the shots, the rain, the, this Rangers team, let's face facts is not going to be an analytical darling. They're just not, that's not how this team operates. But, um, you know, when they get on their game, they're very dangerous. They, Igor was able to see most of what came at him, uh, you know, basically from, you know, game five onward. Uh, he, that's not to say he didn't make some huge saves throughout. Of course he did. And that's, you know, that's how, that's how it works. You know, especially when you get to be, uh, you know, in the semifinals, now you're going to the conference finals. It's not like Tampa's getting through without, you know, Andre Vasilevsky. I think he made 49 saves in the, in the game four win, um, in the last series. So it's not, you know, you're, you're going to get, you're going to need goaltending, but, uh, I think the Rangers were able to limit the high danger chances, like you said, and, and the shots he was able to see, uh, you know, for the most part. Um, I think, you know, something that really stands out to me throughout this. And like you said, the Rangers really did, uh, they were able to play their game. I thought they could have come back to the garden uh, after the first two in Carolina up 2-0, but you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, something that I've been thinking about a lot is that the Rangers power play goes two for three in game seven. The penalty kill goes three for four, but how many times have as Rangers fans, as, as people that have, uh, you know, as you've covered the team for, for many years, uh, how many times have you seen them get a power play opportunity where they have a chance to turn the momentum in their direction, really ice a game, put themselves in a position to win, and and they they couldn't do it for whatever reason. This team, with the amount of skill that they have, and I think I think if you you line them up against the Hurricanes, the Rangers have a more skilled team. It just it is the reality of the situation. Uh, the power, you know, the special teams really came through, and they've they've had issues with that forever. Uh, and and that wasn't the case, and it hasn't been the case as they've as they've made their way through the playoffs this time. And especially against Carolina, they made them pay when they had to, and they were able to kill off penalties. Also, Carolina put themselves in a lot of, uh, you know, they 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 put themselves in penalty trouble, and the Rangers capitalized on that. And that's, uh, you know, not something that they've they've done historically. But man, this team really finds a way to do it. And uh, and that and and look, they gave up shorthanded goals too, which was killing me watching. Where it's like they had chances <laughs> to, uh, you know, put Carolina really away early in the series or or ice them as as they were going through, and they give up these shorthanded goals, but game seven, they got on the power play and they, and they made it count. And, uh, you know, that's really, that was really the difference there. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's awesome to see them do that and play their game and, and, and make the special teams work for them like they have all season. Yeah. And I think, you know, that obviously the, the, the guy that makes it go at least in the last couple of games, two of them, I guess it's, it's Adam Fox and Mika Zibanejad and, um, you know, Zibanejad, uh, which I was kind of timely to write between game six and seven, where he had a four-game goal streak going and kind of say that this is a guy who, you know, coming up on a on the start of a, a long, big contract, he's been the Rangers' number one center for a lot of years. This is the first time since he's been the number one center, since he's been a point-per-game guy, that he's, he's in the playoffs as the number one guy. Struggled a lot at the beginning of the series with Sidney Crosby against Pittsburgh. Crosby goes out. Zibanejad with seven points in the last two games. Timely goals, obviously a third period tying goal in game seven. Um, and then this series, you know, down in Carolina, Jordan Stahl locks his lineup. They got to produce on the power play. They don't. 
come back to New York, he starts to loosen it up a little bit, get some of his power play goals going. And then again, he's just like, you know, he's just kind of revving the engine as the series goes along. And the goal that he scored, which is a bad goal by Antti Rata, the, the two nothing goal in game one, but, but that's the kind of goal you need to score. You, you not only put your team up by two with a nice play that you made at the blue line, uh, drive the net. You're also putting some doubt in the other team's mind when you score a goal like that on, a, on, you know, especially following up the Tyler Mott, first period goal in that game six. And then, you know, last night after Fox's goal, which was, which was that power play was really bad. And that could have turned things a little differently if they didn't convert right at the end of that first power play. But then the next power play that they get for the too many men, um, you know, everybody's selling out to block that, that one timer of, of Zibanejad's. You see Brett Pesci, who's a great defenseman, just completely leave the net front where Kreider is to try to block this shot because that's what's been beating them. And what does he do? Does the, you know, fakes the shot, sends one in front to his buddy and Kreider with a neat little deflection. And it's just, you know, he's really impressed me in the, in the crunch times of these series, you know, Igor Shesterkin's their MVP. If they go on and win a Stanley cup, there's going to be no votes for anybody except Shesterkin for Con Smythe. That's obvious. Adam Fox, high level, you know, to see him do it at such a young age, but to me, the guy that was maybe the biggest question mark as far as the veterans go of whether he can do it, he can be the guy to lead them was Zibanejad, and I think he's answered the bell for sure. Yeah. Oh, he's. I mean, he's definitely answered the bell. I mean, you look at the. You know, he's 19 points now through through this, yeah. and those are those are huge numbers. And you know, the only people ahead of him are Drysaddle and McDavid, who are just playing like otherworldly. I mean, it's ridiculous. They have 26 points, but uh, yeah, no, uh, Mika's about, and you can see it. Like you said, he's, he's revving the engine. You can see when he picks up a puck, uh, you know, he's in game six and definitely last night uh, in game seven, he had a purpose when he would get that puck. It was, it wasn't like he was just looking to dump it in. He was bearing down on it. He was trying to pick up speed through the neutral zone. He was trying to make something happen. And it's, uh, you know, he's, he's shown it, I think going into, uh, you know, when, when the, the pandemic freeze happened two years ago or whatever, three years ago it is at this point, he was one of the best players, if not the best player in the world. He was on fire at that point. He was scoring, you know, at will, basically both sides of the puck. He, he was, you know, just doing everything. And he's really showing that now on the biggest stage. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not going to get easier playing against Tampa, but I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. It, it feels like, um, you know, t- Carolina plays such a weird, uh, specific style. They play that man-to-man style. They they are trying to get pucks in deep and forecheck and just wear you out in the offensive zone. Uh, not, again, like I, I don't want to say that it's going to be easy against Tampa, but I think the style that Tampa plays kind of suits the Rangers better than what Carolina did. And I think, you know, you might, um, you know, whereas these games against Carolina, for the most part, were 2-1 games, low-scoring affairs, I think you might see the opposite. I think you might see... Um, you know, a lot of goals scored between the Rangers and and the the Lightning, or there'll be a lot of chances depending on what the goalies uh, end up doing in, in that duel. But I think, you know, I think that favors, um, you know, kind of the style that Zibanejad and, and this team wants to play. Panarin, who's been, you know, he's put up some points, but he's been largely quiet. And uh, you know, maybe maybe he he turns the corner a little bit as they go into the Tampa series as well. But um, but I agree with you. I think Mika Zibanejad's been everything he's needed to be. Uh, throughout this run and even when he's it's maybe it's more impressive that he's had 
you know, these, these tough matchups against um, Crosby and against Jordan Stahl. And he's found a way as the series has gone on. And I think that is also a hallmark of this Rangers team. They don't have the experience that some of these other guys do. um, Some of these other teams do, but as it wears along, they find their way and um, you know, they win when it matters. They, they make the play when it matters. And that's, you know, that's all you can really ask of this group. And that's really what you want to see from a team that has championship aspirations. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we've talked about some of the headline makers. Um, Another huge impact uh, in this series at the end, kind of like there was in the Pittsburgh series when Ryan Lindgren came back for those last three games and has continued to play, even though he looked like he was going to have his leg amputated last (laughs) night in the middle of game seven, missed maybe whatever, five or six minutes, which is insane. Yeah, he's a real, he's, he's, he is unbelievable. I mean, we'll, we'll get into Lindgren, but yeah. Barkley Goodrow came back kind of out of the blue for game six. Um, I had heard from a source earlier in the week that uh, he was getting close. You know, it, it kind of indicated that, uh, believes sounds like it's a broken foot. Three weeks is a pretty short timeline for a broken anything, but you know, this is a guy who plays the way that he plays and you sort of feel like much like Lindgren, uh, if there's a chance he's going to play. And so then to see him Come out there for warmups in Game Six. Obviously, gave his team a big boost. I, I, I kind of liked Philip Hedel after the game. Said I didn't. Even, I walked in the locker room and I saw him getting dressed. That was the first <laughs> I heard about it. So, uh, even inside the team, I guess they kept it pretty quiet. Um, and this is the time, you know, this, it's a big contract. It's a long contract for what he can give you, which was he gave them a very good season. But this is this is why you have Barkley Goodrow and to not just be able to play in situations like this, but kind of overcome whatever, whatever he was dealing with. And, uh, he, you know, he, he did, he wasn't great in either game, but he did enough. And I feel like, you know, kind of the, the way that he impacts a game, much like Lindgren, you know, he, on that second period power play where he's blocking consecutive shots from the point, you know, if, if my foot was swollen, forget <laughs> broken, I don't think I'd be anywhere near that kind of stuff. And here's a guy who he just he just goes out and does it. And uh and I think that goes a long way with this group. You know, even though they've been battle tested and they they did well without him, you know, since he was out since game one of the playoffs. But um but like I said, much like much like Lindgren, uh it's not only good to have him back from from an emotional standpoint, but having him in that fourth line center, Kevin Rooney, you know, is a good player. He struggled a lot, I thought, pretty much ever since he came back from his injury in the regular season. Couldn't win a face-off to save his life in this series. Uh, so he gets replaced. 
with Goodrow. You can bounce Goodrow around. He's a little bit more of a, a tenacious penalty killer. Him and Mott seem to have a good rapport going. Um, it's just a it's just a little move that's not going to really show up much in the in the score sheet afterwards, but it's gonna it's gonna improve their chances to win, and it clearly did. Yeah, it's it's gigantic. You you can't you know you, again. It's one of these like intangible things, but right. This is this is what they got this guy for. He's the the only uh, you know Stanley Cup champion on this team. That that experience alone um, it, it makes all the difference in the world. The I don't remember even what. Um, what period it was last night, what shift it was, but it was later in the game. Uh, he was out there. Uh, Barkley Goudreau was, he got a, he got crushed by, by uh, you know, down, down low below the hash mark somewhere. And I was like, man, that was a hard hit. And he got up, went across the ice and nailed the guy back and got, <laughs> got a big hit, you know? And it's like, that's the type of mindset they were up at that point. They were winning. I don't remember what the score was, but you know, but if you watch the game, you maybe know what I'm talking about, but it's like that little thing speaks volumes about, about that player and why he's so valuable to the team. Because like we've said, and we're, you know, we'll talk about the kid line in a little bit, you know, there's, there's young players on this team and that is leading by example. That's showing, listen, you can try to knock me down, but I'm going to get right back up and I'm going to be in your face and that is the experience of a guy who's won, uh, you know, championships and some, and like you said, right, he's coming back with who knows what it is, but maybe a fractured ankle, something happened to his foot, who knows, but, uh, right. He's out there blocking shots. Everybody in the locker room knows that that's, you know, if it hits him in the wrong way, it's gonna, uh, you know, either put him out again, or it's gonna really, really hurt, you know, to, to undersell it. It's going to really hurt. Um, it's invaluable. And that, and that's the thing when you even go back to the Pittsburgh series where the Rangers were having trouble to start that series obviously the grit guys the guys that they got to be um you know playoff performers tyler motts the barclay goudros uh you know and ryan lingren who they had obviously but he's a you know a, a, a can't say how how big a deal he is for, for him to be on this on this team they were missing and now as they go through the playoffs these guys are back in the lineup and um you know it, it makes a huge difference uh like you said even potentially not on the score sheet but you know when you're trying to you know bleed minutes off the clock, protect the lead, um, or really just go toe to toe with another team, th- those are the guys you need, and and they have them now, and it's it's uh, it's a really big deal. And I think you can throw Ryan Reeves in there. I, Absolutely, I, I've been really impressed with him. Not just playing kind of to the maximum of his playing abilities. He's throwing some hits, but he's not he's not doing anything silly. You know, maybe at the end of game six a little bit. Uh, or maybe that was the end of game four. We was trying to get back at Max Domi and kind of start something, but mm-hmm. um, that was kind of immaterial. You know, I, he just he's just going out and playing, and I think the fact that that Gerard Gallant has trusted him based on their you know their days in Vegas together four years ago when that team made the finals, and Reeves was an everyday player on that team. Um, you know, it's it's interesting just because he wasn't really a guy that that you thought could could play that way based on what you saw in the regular season. Uh, and I do want to, I do want to shout out Gallant who um, kind of, you know, professes to be, you know, when you see him in interviews, he, do, he doesn't really care to come across as very polished or, or well-spoken or anything like that, or give the impression that he's smarter than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy who clearly knows what he's doing. You know, you look back after game four against Pittsburgh, he called his team soft which is a big insult to anybody. And especially if you do it to your own team and they turn around and they win, they kind of not just win, but they grind out three games that they needed to win. And then they move on. 
after Game 5 in Carolina, he says they look tired. I kind of sat up and took notice at that one because not really something you say when the playoffs are still going on. Maybe afterwards, when it's done, you say, yeah, I thought we were a little tired at the end. But it's one of those things that sounds like he's trying to make an excuse for his guys, but is also a pretty serious jab at them saying, like, this is the second round. If you want to win a Stanley Cup, you can't play that way. You can't look tired. And what do they do? They come out and play their two best games probably the entire postseason in six and seven. This guy knows what he's doing. And, I, you know, he's not going to win many chess matches with the John Coopers of the world, that's for sure. Or even Rod Brindamore, where, you know, it seemed like they were kind of the, the Jordan Stahl Zibanejad matchup was swallowing up whatever the Rangers were doing. And I think his attitude is, you know, if we're going to get anywhere, this guy's got to fight through it, meaning Zibanejad and his line and he and Kreider produced at the end of the series. They they yeah. fought through it in, in the one road game they needed to. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't call him a master motivator, but I think we need to give him a little bit more credit for knowing what he's doing than maybe we did before. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, as as this series was going, I was like, man, I, I know he doesn't believe in the matchup thing. He's not trying to, like, match lines or try to get guys away from, from the matchup that the other team wants, but it's like, I, maybe he could a little bit. And then, <laughs> you know... Uh, but you're right. I mean, he he also said, I, you know, after he called them, uh, you know, saying they were a little tired, they asked kind of about the top. I forget. It might have been the same press conference where they were saying if somebody asked him, you know, what did you think about the play of your top players? You know, like they're not really delivering. And he's like, listen, he's like, I'm not calling out my top players. He's like, we we win as a team. We lose as a team. He's like, the team didn't play well. He's like, I'm not I'm not calling anybody out specifically. And I think that is where he gains the trust of those players. You know, he can say they looked a little tired and and that's a bit of a jab at them, you know, and, and, and tell them they need to wake up and do their thing. But he's not going to throw anybody under the bus. And that's, you know, that's that's his reputation as a player's coach. I, he also, you know, he jokes about it. I don't know how how serious it is, and you you could tell me if if you know otherwise. But when he says, you know, he talks to them for twenty seconds, twenty five seconds before <laughs> before the game, he's not really giving a big speech or anything like that. And to me, you know, that's not my personality. I mean, if I were a coach, I'd be in there like, you know, fired up, and I'd be trying to give the big rah rah speech and all that stuff. And that's just not him. And I don't know if that's a hundred percent true or, or whatever. If he's downplaying what he does, but he has the pulse of the team. He 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 obviously knows how to motivate them, and that. And like you said, he's not getting the credit maybe that he deserves, but uh, clearly if, if you watch this team day in and day out, he's he's making a big difference, and, and there, you know, there's no doubt about it. All right, so we look back, uh, a triumphant look back, and now a look ahead to the Lightning. Um, two-time defending Stanley Cup champs, uh, Igor Shesterkin, who's been the best goalie in the NHL this year, said that Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the world, so... I guess that trumps doesn't a trophy and heart trophy <laughs> nomination. Um, there's the the now several years ago connection between the two franchises with a couple of big deadline trades. Um, you know, the Martin Marty San Louis, Ryan Callahan one was the big one back in 2014. Um, the Ryan McDonough one in 2018 was really kind of the one that signaled the the white flag with the letter coming out and Rangers wandering in the wilderness while Ryan McDonough has been polishing his Stanley Cup rings the last couple of years. Um, so there's a lot to there's a lot to connect the two franchises, and you know I think going in uh, everybody's kind of saying like okay well the Rangers had a nice run and now they're going to face the defending champs and they're going to get outworked and whatever and you know you were saying earlier about how there might be a little bit different style to it. I agree. I think it's, you know, I, I think it's going to be 
the sort of thing where where the Rangers need to grind right from the start because Tampa obviously has tons of skill. Stamp Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov. We don't know about Braden Point's status. It doesn't seem to be that he's going to come back anytime soon. It seemed like it was a pretty nasty injury he suffered against Florida. Yeah. Um, but and then on the back end, they've got McDonough, they've got Victor Hedman, they've got Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, and then a cast of guys like Anthony Sorelli and Alex Killorn, guys who – Andre Palat, who seem to raise their games. They picked up Nick Paul at the trade deadline, and he had a big series against Toronto in the first round. So they've got guys who know how to win, and they've got John Cooper, who's one of the best coaches in the league and has been for the for the last decade. But having said all that, if the Rangers can get to that grind and understand that this is not going to be a skill on skill, this is not going to be a situation where – Tampa's going to try to do what, like you said, what Carolina did, which lots of movement in the offensive zone and lots of pucks going forward and just trying to trying to keep as much structure as they can. And, and I think it was Henrik Lundqvist on the MSG postgame show last night who, who pointed out very astutely that Carolina never changed that approach. Right. They were never very successful with it, scoring goals throughout the entire series. And yet they just said, yeah, we'll keep doing it. And really <laughs> there were no broken plays. There was no chaos the way that the Penguins were really able to succeed doing stuff like that. Uh, and it cost Carolina because they never were able to find that next gear to overcome, whether it was a deficit late in the series or to, you know, really kind of get going in a game, any of the games at the garden. Um, but I don't think, I don't think Tampa is going to fall into that trap. They know how to win a lot of different ways. And I think it's just, it's, it's going to be a battle. I'm not so sure it's going to be so high scoring just because, you know, if there's a lot of penalties taken, maybe because both power plays are so good. But I think the main focus for the Rangers, at least to start, has to be matching the intensity because Tampa, you know, I've seen it covering the Islanders the last two years when when they when the Islanders got, you know, back to back conference finals, they still ran up against whether it wasn't the first game, but maybe in the first couple games, this, oh, now it's on. Like this mm-hmm. is a team that knows how to get to that higher level, even even if points missing. Even if they don't have their full strength of, of guys, they just have that collective ability being the defending champs and being a team that's been around the late stages of the playoffs a lot of years. You know how you know how to get it done. And that's that's where maybe the experience helps them a little bit. Um, but uh, but I feel like if the Rangers can match that, you know, there's the, the, the kind of the matchups skill wise, goaltending. Uh, even on defense with those those big three that Tampa has that play a ton of minutes, the Rangers, you know, the Rangers group of six or at least group of four uh, has been able to, to do a lot of good. So, you know, I don't see it as, as quite the lopsided matchup that a lot of other people do. No, I, I don't either. And if you look at the, you know, the regular season, the Rangers didn't, uh, I guess they lost a shootout or whatever. They lost in overtime or something, but they, the Rangers didn't lose in regulation to uh, to Tampa. They had a good record against them. Uh, I guess three zero and one, right? I mean, it's so you know, it, you know. Look, you have to say Tampa's the favorite going into the series. Obviously, you're not going to pick a, you know the the two time defending champion is not that they're that's not an accident that they're doing that. They've won ten you know ten straight series at this point. Um, that's not an accident. But right, if the Rangers can bring their game and understand that they're going to have to play a full sixty minute game against against Tampa to to beat them. Um, I think it's going to be a competitive series to say the least. And, and, you know, I, I, we'll get into it in a minute. I, I picked against Carolina against the Rangers in the last series. I'm not, I'm not just not going to do it. I can't do it. I've, I've seen them, uh, you know, I've just seen them win too many times now, uh, throughout this play. I was five and oh in elimination games. I'm, I'm not going to pick against the Rangers and, and that just is what it is. Um, 
I think it's going to be a really fun series. I look at Artemi Panarin. I think this is a series where he's really got to, you know, do his thing. No matter what they're doing to him, he's got to find a way to produce or at least, you know, produce good shifts when he's out there, not get hemmed in his own, his own zone. Like he did a lot during the, uh, the Carolina series, but, um, you know, the Igor, uh, Vasilevsky matchup is going to be incredible. Everybody's looking forward to that for sure. Uh, and like you said, I mean, may, you know, maybe it isn't high scoring, but I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be some high danger chances coming, you know, at both goalies throughout this. And, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> who knows but i think it's going to this is going to be a very very fun series and i think like you said i think the intensity is really going to be uh right from right from the start the only kind of uh, interesting element here to me is that tampa has been sitting for for 9 days obviously a championship team they they've been through it they've been through everything uh, you know over the last 3 years uh or more you know they've been one of the best teams in the league for a long time now um if the Rangers could jump on that team early at home game one uh, and get out to a lead, you know, I think, I think the Rangers could start the series off in, in, in a way and, and maybe surprise Tampa. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but um, you know, it's going to be a battle. And I, and I think the longer the series goes, series goes, um, you know, great for the Rangers. I, I, they've shown it. They've shown it repeatedly th- uh, throughout this, this playoffs that, you know, if you let them hang around there, they, they are a problem. And, and, uh, you know, we will, we'll, we'll see, but I, I, my pick Rangers in seven. <laughs> uh, I believe I went with that same Rangers in seven. And I feel like one of the keys or a couple of the keys, um, for the Rangers are going to be the kids, uh, especially the yeah. kid line. You know, we didn't really get into it, but Philip Heedle, the game six that he had, um, you know, just a guy who's, who's, you know, really looking like a player that I don't think we've seen yet in a Ranger uniform, a guy who's, who's aggressive and uh, you know, that reverse hit that he threw on Brendan Smith before he scored that ridiculous backhander in game six, that's nothing we've ever seen from this guy. And I feel like, yes, it's the playoffs. Maybe you can't project it out year over year, but this was a guy that I, I, most fans were ready to get rid of this offseason to create a little bit of cap space to try to handle whatever else they can they need to do. And now maybe you're talking about him as being your number two center because he looks he's certainly playing like a guy who could do with more minutes. And uh, you know I think Capocacco's been you know been good when they dropped him down to the fourth line. I wasn't I didn't think that was great. And moving him back up for the last two games clearly, you know, had an impact on his, his game and, and helped the kid line in general. Alexi Lafreniere has been real consistent from start to finish in this playoffs, just the energy that he's bringing and, and now producing, you know, producing some points. Um, and Keandre Miller, you can't leave out because he's a guy who's basically leading them in, in ice time. Now he's, he's playing the heaviest five on five minutes for them. Um, real steady. You know, I think, I think you're going to see a lot of tweets and social media stuff and maybe commentary on TV from, from people who haven't seen him play much this year where their, their eyes are going to be open the way that he's going to play. He's going to see a lot of Stamkos probably He's going to see a lot of Kucherov. And if he can do what he's done to some of the high end guys in the previous two series, um, this is going to be a big, a big step forward for Keandre Miller. But, um, but I think that that third that kid line, as long as they stay together, that's kind of the X factor for me. That that they can continue to do what they did against Carolina. You know, there's not a lot of there's plenty of book on guys like Zabanajad and Kreider and Panarin. 
not a lot on those three guys. And I think that's that's an area that the Rangers can exploit because they are deeper than Tampa if that line can do what, what they've done, certainly what they did in this past series. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's, you know, going into the play, I forget what episode it was where we were talking about it, but I brought up that um, it reminds me a little, and I was hoping that it would look like this, and it it has looked like this, where uh, it reminds me of, back in the day, the Broussard, Pouliot, Matt Zuccarello third line when the Rangers were in the playoffs, because you match up against the top six, and then it gives a little room for that third line, and if those guys can get their forecheck going, which they have throughout, I mean, they were the most consistent uh you know, four checking line. I, I thought through uh, through the whole series against Carolina, uh, if they can get that going, and now they have a little bit of confidence. I mean, Philip Hedel, you, you're absolutely right. He looked like a guy where, uh, you know, he's he's just not going to find it. He's always looking to the ceiling. He's always missing the net. This and that. And man, he he has emerged now as a guy that is, um, you know, a threat on that line for sure. And he looks confident. It's it's he. he now, if he misses the net or he gets stopped, it's not like, oh, man, when am I ever going to score? You see him. He's like he's encouraged by it. You know, he goes back to the bench and he's got that look in his eye of like next shift. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get one. And and that's, you know, that's confidence that can only be built through the through these, um, you know, these types of games. And as you go along here where the intensity goes up, uh, the, these guys are really showing that they can hang, not only hang, but they can make a big difference. Uh, I think Alexi Lafreniere got in Brendan Smith's head somehow th- throughout that series. I mean, he was drawing penalties against him. It felt like every game he was, uh, you know, after the whistle Lafreniere was always in the mix. He was always jumping in when, you know, there was a scrum. I mean, he, he was, just as consistent as he was against the Penguins and actually has, has looked better now with putting up points. He had the drop pass uh, on Fox's uh, power play goal in game seven in the first period there. He looked good. And uh, like you said, yeah, I didn't like with Kako being on the, on the fourth line there. I thought, um, you know, they, they moved mod up. They were trying to get a little speed, whatever they were trying to mix things up and that's fine. But I think, I think Kako's shown a lot of strength in the corners when, when pucks have gone deep, he's been able to hold on to the puck and, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's really been um, great to watch. And again, it, you know, who knows where this is going to go. Maybe they do make it and they, and they do win a cup this year. It, it's starting to feel a little bit like a team of, of, of destiny. You know, things just are kind of working out for this team, even when, when it's not going well, they find a way to turn the momentum and make something happen. Um, you know, this is all bodes well for the future of this team, you know, where you, where you look at this, the, these kids kind of growing up and, and who knows what they'll be able to do next year and, and seasons after that. Um, and finally, yeah, touching on Keandre Miller, he never looks, even when he's put in a bad spot, he finds a way out of it really smooth. I mean, he, he hasn't looked like he's been in trouble at all. Um, throughout the Carolina series, he he's, he's really elevated his game and he is a legitimate top four or really top pair, you know, because they, they've matched them up against, against the big lines. A lot of times, uh, you know, Truba and, and Miller will start games and, and they'll be out there against the other teams, a top of offensive players. He's, he's, it's incredible for somebody that's only played defense for four or five years. You know I mean? It's, it's really kind of unheard of what he's doing. So, uh, yeah, the kids are, the kids are all right. Oh boy. Um, no, should I cut it out? Was that <laughs> no, no, no. I, okay. I think we should keep the whole thing in. All right, fine. <laughs> um, 
Well, we'll finish with, uh, since we both think the Rangers are going to advance the finals, uh, maybe we can just throw a prediction in about who they'll face in the finals. Uh, the other series, I think, is going to get a little bit more uh, love from everybody watching just because it's going to be Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid, high, high-powered high offense, two great skaters, blah, blah, blah. It'll probably, they'll probably all be 2-1 games, but uh, <laughs> yeah. what do you think about that one? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's such a, I mean, I can't wait to watch that. I mean, that's really going to be such a, uh, a fun matchup. McDavid is playing at, at an ext- just, I mean, the highest level you've seen really anybody play in, in forever. I mean, this is like, uh, uh you know, this is a, this is with the Gretzky's and Lemieux. I mean, he's playing that, that type of, uh, you know, that type of game, Nathan McKinnon, the goalie scored, um, in game, whatever it was five, I guess, uh, against the blues where he, where he just, ran through the entire team and basically stuffed the puck in. It was like, we're not going to lose this game. They ended up losing it in overtime anyway, but he, he's, he's just playing incredible. Uh, I mean, look, the, the right pick is Colorado. Colorado has, I think the deeper team, they look, um, you know, they, they were a Stanley cup favorite to, to start things. I think they still probably are the, uh, the favorite, um, goaltending is a little bit of a question there, but obviously <laughs> on the other side, goaltending is, it could be a question. I, I really don't know how it's going to be. I mean, but I but I do think it's it. I was going to say I think it's it's going to come down to what you know Connor McDavid can do basically if he can kind of put the team on his back as he's done and 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 get them through. You know, Edmonton could possibly do it, but they're they're going to need a performance in goal from from Mike Smith that they they haven't gotten necessarily through uh, the first couple of rounds. That being said, though, I mean, uh, you know, I don't I don't love the guy, but Evander Kane is has been playing well even when he's been separated from from McDavid I think that they've he's shown Kyler Yamamoto's actually looked pretty good uh throughout this uh Zach Hyman you know there's a lot to like about what Edmonton's doing I think the pick is Colorado but man it's gonna be I think it's gonna be fireworks throughout this uh, I'm gonna take Colorado in six I just think um I just think they're gonna overwhelm Edmonton at, at certain points and you know you just cannot rely on in my opinion, you just can't rely on, on Mike Smith to 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 hold up throughout that. I, Colorado just has so much offense, but I do think it's going to be a really uh, it's going to be a high scoring wild series, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, I'll go Abs in six as well. So uh, we're looking at we're looking at Rangers Colorado Stanley Cup final. That'd be uh, a new one, very interesting. Um, but uh, I guess you got one more you got one more day to enjoy last night before before yeah. we get started so you can uh you can go back to enjoying that thank you chris this was uh a bit of a surprise that we're still going into the eastern conference final but like you said it's uh it's all found money at this point so we'll see uh, we'll see where we're at when we reconvene next week thanks a lot and thanks to you everybody for listening to the garden faithful if you're enjoying the show so far please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star rating and a review it really helps us grow the show You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Chris Flannery, Arthur Staple, Eastern Conference Final. Let's see what happens.